Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I am Avi Strasberg, and today we're on Daf Chaf Bet, Daf 22, continuing our study of Masechet Ta'anit. The themes of today's Daf pick up where yesterday's Daf left off, continuing our discussion of holy behavior and what qualifies one as righteous. Today we push a bit further in this discussion, asking the question, what does one have to do to get entrance into Olam Haba, the world to come? While Judaism is pretty ambivalent about whether there's an afterlife, and if so, what exactly that would look like, consistently through rabbinic literature, we have the concept of an olam haba, a world to come. The world to come is the place where all the righteous get to go when they die, wherever that is, whatever that looks like. And while the details of that are up in the air, one thing that the rabbis do seem to agree upon is, olam haba is the place to be. So what does one have to do in life to secure a spot in olam haba in death? The Gemara addresses a question by playing out a conversation between Rabbi Broca and Eliyahu Hanavi. Before we can eavesdrop on their otherworldly conversation, a word about the character of Eliyahu Hanavi, who is none other than the Elijah that pays our tables a visit at our yearly Pesach Seder. Eliyahu Hanavi, or Elijah the prophet, comes to us from the Book of Kings, confronting wayward Israelite kings in a typical prophetic fashion, and ultimately leaves in a dramatic way. In the second book of Kings, he passes on the mantle to Elisha, but only after disappearing upwards, carried up in a whirlwind of chariots and fire. But Eliyahu's story does not end with that glamorous curtain call. Rather, he has become the mystic figure that visits us at key ritual moments, presiding over circumcisions and dropping into satyrs around the world. In addition to providing the ultimate bottom line in halachic arguments in the Gemara, as it's said that all unresolved disputes will one day be settled by Eliyahu, he is also associated with the coming of Mashiach and the days of ultimate redemption. The story goes that when the world is ready to be redeemed, first we will be visited by Eliyahu, and then the world as we know it will get a whole lot better. In its characteristic fashion, Eliyahu Hanavi wanders into our story today, much as he wanders in and out of stories throughout rabbinic text. Today, we meet Rabbi Broca, who is perhaps busily doing his weekly shopping in the shuk, the Hebrew word for market. And who should happen into the same shuk while Rabbi Broca was there? None other than the illustrious Eliyahu Hanavi. Rabbi Broca knows a good opportunity when he sees one and does not miss the chance to pick the brain of the famous Eliyahu. He says, Is there someone in the shuk in this market? Who has secured a place in the world to come? And Eliyahu simply answers, no. Meanwhile, time passes, people come and go, and a new person enters the scene. Eliyahu turns back to Rabbi Broca and points out a man wearing black shoes who is not wearing the ritual garb of tzitzit that one would be expect from pious Jews in that time. Further, lest you think Judaism doesn't have something to say about everything, the black shoes this person wore also made him stand out as black shoes were not the normal footwear for good Jews in that period. 
Nevertheless, Eliyahu turns to Rabbi Broca, points to the strange character, and says, Haibra Amadaatehu. This person will have a place in the world to come. Rabbi Broca must meet this man, who is a strange fellow that has secured a place in the world to come. And how is it that he is the only person in all the market to have this honor, a market filled with what seemed to him to be typically pious Jews? What has this man done to deserve this? Rabbi Broca runs after him, calling from behind him, Mayovadach, what are your deeds? And the man turns to him and says, Zil ha'idana betalimchar, go today and come back tomorrow. So Rabbi Broca is forced to wait to meet this man, to find out what he has done to merit a place in the world to come. I imagine him tossing and turning all night with excitement, confusion, unable to sleep in suspense. Sure enough, morning rolls around, and Rabbi Broca runs back to the market, tracks the fellow down, and once again asks, My Wadach, what are your deeds? And the fellow tells Rabbi Broca about his line of work and how he spends his days. He tells him that he's a prison guard, and that he makes sure to keep male and female prisoners separate, placing his very own bed between them so that they should not come to commit some sort of prohibited act. Not only that, whenever he notices suspicious characters... For the prison guard, this means non-Jews, eyeing the Jewish women. He places his own life on the line and gets involved in order to protect the women from prying eyes. He goes on to tell one particularly striking story in which he noticed another inmate who had set his sights on an engaged female prisoner. He knew that he must get involved, that he must step in to protect her. So what does he do? He grabs a bucket of leftover red wine and throws it on the back of the dress of this woman. He then cries out, She's menstruating! She's menstruating! In an effort to keep the man with the prying eyes away. Surely a strange and offensive method for keeping men away. And yet apparently for this fellow, it was effective. While there's definitely a lot of problematic unpacking that we could do around cultural attitudes towards menstruating women and the stigmatism associated with it, for now, let's leave it at this. This prison guard was doing what he thought was best to protect a group of people he felt were particularly vulnerable. When he felt someone was in a potentially threatening situation, he was willing to step in and get involved, even when it meant putting his own life at risk. And for this, he is considered righteous, meriting a place in the world to come. After listening to his story, Rabbi Broca gets it. He understands why this fellow's actions have won him this special honor reserved for the most righteous. What he does not get is why someone so righteous would not wear tzitzit, the ritual garment obligatory on religious men of his generation. Rabbi Broca says to him, but why don't you wear fringes? And why do you wear these black shoes? Basically, he's saying to him, if you act like a good pious Jew, why don't you look like a good pious Jew? Sure enough, the fellow has an answer for him. He says, I walk amongst non-Jews dressed like this so that they won't realize that I'm Jewish. When a harsh decree goes out against the Jews, I go to the rabbis, and tell them about it so that they're able to pray for God's mercy to effectively cancel the decree. Basically, the prison guard acts as a spy for the Jewish people, sniffing out the decrees before they get to the ears of the rabbi, and making sure the rabbis know about it as quickly as possible so that they can take action through prayer. Okay, this makes sense to Rabbi Broca. It explains why this pious Jew doesn't look the way Rabbi Broca expects, but still he has one more question. He asks him, 
What's the reason that yesterday when I asked you, what are your deeds? You put me off and said, go and come back tomorrow. And to this as well, the fellow has an answer. Sure enough, at the very moment yesterday in the Shuk, the prison guard had just learned out about a harsh decree that went out against the Jews. He said to himself, better I run and tell the rabbi so that they can pray to change this rather than stand here talking in the Shuk. And that's why he said, not now, come back tomorrow. Rabbi Broca learns a few important lessons from this unnamed prison guard. First, he learns that sometimes the most holy, the most righteous people are not the people who we expect. In a market full of pious Jews, the only one who had earned a place in Olam Haba was this very prison guard. Second, he learns that apparently prayer and study are not enough to secure one a place in the afterlife. Rather, what makes this prison guard special is that he is a person of action, of deeds. When he sees something troubling, he is willing to step in and put his life on the line to make sure that the vulnerable party is safe from danger, whether that be the woman in the prison or the Jewish people. Living at a vision of holiness cannot be fulfilled through mere study and prayer. Rather, it requires deeds, a living out of values. Third, he learned that holy Jews don't all look like the cookie cutter of what he expects them to look like. Sometimes they may wear kippot, sometimes they won't. Sometimes they may daven three times a day, sometimes not at all. Some may keep Shabbat, others won't. He learns that he can't judge the holiness of a person simply by sizing up external appearances. If he wants to know what they stand for, he has to get up close and hear their stories. The story in the Gemara doesn't end there. Sure enough, while Rabbi Broca and Eliyahu Hanavi stand on the streets of the market, another pair enters the scene. And once again, Eliyahu turns to Rabbi Broca and points at two people and says, Hanachnami b'nei alma de'ate ninhu. He says to him, these two were also going to have a place in the world to come. And again, Rabbi Broca, in a quest to understand holiness, runs to these people and asks, My Ovadaihu, what are your deeds? Again, he must know, what is it that they've done in their lives to merit a place in the world to come? And they answer him, Enashi badochi anan mivadchinan atzive. Inami ki chazenan betre de itlehu tigra bahadaihu, tarchinan veabdinan lehushlama. They say to him, We are happy, joyous people, and when we see someone sad, we try to make them happy. Or when we see two people struggling in a fight, we intercede and we help to bring them to a place of resolution. What earns these two a place in the world to come, the ultimate heavenly reward? They bring laughter to those who are in need of joy. They try to bring peace to those who are struggling in conflict. When they see someone in pain before them, they don't avert their eyes and continue on, busy with their own life. But rather, they stop, and they see if they can help the person before them. This is the holiest act of all, stopping to make someone laugh, working to bring more peace into the world. Marge Piercy, in her poem, Amida, On Our Feet We Speak to You, writes this about holiness. All living are one and holy. Let us remember as we eat, as we work, as we walk and drive, all living are one and holy. We must make ourselves worthy. Piercy continues, We will try to be holy. We will try to repair the worlds given to us to hand on. Precious is this treasure of words and knowledge and deeds that moves inside us. Holy is the hand that works for peace and for justice. Holy is the mouth that speaks for goodness. Holy is the foot that walks towards mercy. 
Purity reminds us that we are all holy and that we must continually work to be holy. And what constitutes this holiness? What brings it into the world? Those who work for peace and justice, those that use their mouths to speak goodness, those that have feet that walk towards mercy. If you want to secure a place in the world to come, first turn to action. Turn to others and see what goodness, what justice you can bring into the world. Piercy writes, let us lift each other on our shoulders and carry each other along. Let holiness move in us. Let us pay attention to its small voice. Let us see the light in others and honor that light. I hope for us that we can learn something from Rabbi Broca's story, that we can learn to see the holiness in others, that we have the flexibility to allow our expectations to be upset, and that we learn to use our hands for peace, our mouths for justice, and our feet to walk towards mercy. It's been a pleasure learning with you this past week. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.